Oh, isn't that a pretty song? Oh, I just love it. Dave Mallett with his song, Autumn. Oh, Dave, Dave, Dave. Such a great songwriter. And uh, that's off his CD, This Town. And uh, look, check it up. You can probably find it on YouTube. Uh, just uh, the words just, man, they just ring so true to this cat. Hey, good morning and welcome to How's It Growing, your weekly garden connection only here at KZUM Lincoln. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, I'm Bob Henriksen. I'm with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, planting Nebraska each and every day. We're not done planting yet. You know, it's October 12th. And uh, yeah, I have a great guest on the program today. Looking forward to a conversation with Lucinda Mays. Lucinda's last on the show in the spring, so we do a spring and a fall version. Uh, Lucinda's a horticulturist at uh, Shadron State College in way out in the Panhandle. Maybe you've been there before, and if you haven't, man, you need to make plans to include Nebraska as part of your vacation plans. Lots of great stuff to see up in the Pine Ridge of Nebraska. Uh, via Shadron, kind of use that as your your destination point. You'll be glad you did. All right, uh, yeah, so looking forward to that conversation. Coming up with Cindy, I want to give a big thank you out to all of you that have contributed to KZUM during our fall fund drive. You know, September came and went during those final weeks of September. We raised, thanks to you, uh, we actually surpassed our goal. We raised 41K. Good stuff. Way to go, KZUM supporters, man. And if those of you that didn't support, may, hey, next time, right? <laughs> and you can always donate at KZUM.org, and you'll be glad you did, helping this radio station chug along and do great things for the community. KZUM is it, man. Your favorite radio station, right? But you already knew that. Hey, and a couple of quick events to tell you about before Lucinda calls in. Um, yeah, let's see. Let's go to uh, this one first uh, coming up this evening. Um, I hope for you to join me, uh, the Nebraska Mycological Society, that's the Mushroom Group. Uh, they are putting on a program tonight on wild edible mushrooms of Nebraska. And yours truly is going to be the speaker there. And it's going to be held out at Prairie Pines Nature Preserve. That's at uh, 3100 North 112th. You can go, you can type in Nebraska Mycological Society and uh, click on their calendar to see uh, details anyway it starts at 6 30 p.m and you just go to prairie pines nature preserve and we'll be inside the the home there and uh you know have a nice uh, friendly discussion and i'll show you some great pictures of wild edible mushrooms of nebraska not a very good year for wild edible mushrooms with the drought we've been uh having but man last night's rain was great right when's the last time we've seen wind and thunderstorms roll through it was kind of a had more bark than it did uh bite but uh, hey we got some moisture out of the deal i think uh, for some people i was hearing around 40 hundreds something like that but i was hoping we'd get more out of that but anyway it should start growing some good mushrooms so the timing is good for the edible wild mushrooms of nebraska tonight and again for more information you go to nebraska mycological society to find that program starts at 6 30 goes till 8 and again at Prairie Pines Nature Preserve this evening. Hope to see you there. And if you do come, just say, hey, I heard it on KZUM. That lets me know people are actually listening. 
because sometimes it's hard to tell. All right, and uh, yeah, so, and then also uh, coming up on Thursday, October 20th, put this on your KZUM calendar, is the uh, Friends of the Maxwell Arboretum's Fall Harvest Festival, the tremendous celebration on Thursday, October 20th at 4.30 till 6 p.m. That's going to be at the Earl Maxwell Arboretum on UNL East Campus. That's the all the big trees uh, just... Uh, uh, east of the dairy store and there's gonna be all sorts of cool stuff for kiddos bring the family uh, check it out uh, friends of maxwell arboretum and unl landscape services annual event the tremendous celebration on thursday october 20th and then the following tuesday join the nebraska state red arboretum for plants and pints and that's going to be a cool event at the barred owl maybe you haven't been there yet that's that rooftop bar on the sixth floor of the scarlet hotel that brand new super deluxe hotel on unl innovation campus great speakers there including heather and brian byers of great plains nursery had heather on the show before plenty of times and then amy and jeff gruey owners of arbor aesthetics in omaha they're going to be uh, talking about uh, their businesses and how they all got started and uh, inspire others to do their own small business. So check it out. Plants and Pints coming up on October 25th. All right. Uh, now, without further ado, I have a caller waiting on the line for me, and I think this person is Lucinda Mays. How you doing, Lucinda? Good morning, Bob. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you doing? Wind blown, my goodness. Oh, you guys got big wind. I saw, I heard, you know, Lincoln's supposed to get, they were saying gusting this afternoon, 40 to 45, and I'm assuming you're sending that wind our way, aren't you? <laughs> I think as I sit here and look out the windshield, because I'm sitting in the parking lot of a nursery getting ready to do some shopping. Yes. And I'm watching the wind go. I think, well, there goes the fall color. Right. Uh, you know, one thing I must admit, you know, I don't know if you catch the opening song of the show. You probably weren't uh, based on where you're sitting, but there's a song from Dave Mallett called Autumn, and he talks about gathering up her wandering brood. And, you know, when you get the big winds like that, I love it when the leaves are kind of dancing down the street and you're driving through that. And I know it's short-lived and it's only certain days, but, yeah, we had that wind last night with a little, actually, a thunderstorm blow through, Lucinda. Go figure. What a rare... A uh, little bit of water in the fall is a wonderful thing. And that, that ephemeral moment when the leaves let go from the trees uh -huh. or when they're scattering down the pathway in the wind that's that's worth it that's worth waiting all year for right <laughs> you know even though she's fleeting uh man like you say and honestly what it always makes me think of and one of my favorite all-time favorite cartoons that brings me back to childhood is old Pooh bear and piglet on a, a, a blustery day do you remember that one <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> well, you're going to have to check it out and watch it again. Well, anyway, it's called A Blustery Day, and it's like, uh, you know, they show a windy day in, in autumn, and, of course, one of the leaves actually picks up little piglet, and he flies around on a leaf, which is kind of cool, but anyway. Okay, I'm going to have to go to the library. <laughs> well, anyway, how long has it been since I've seen Pooh? Quite some time. No, but anyway, uh, thank you so much, Lucinda, for calling in today to How's It Growing, and uh, you know, I do have to ask you first, I saw a, a weather report coming out of Norfolk, and northeast Nebraska's had, you know, some serious drought this year, and uh, Norfolk set a record, 130-year-old record for rainfall, annual precip 
trips uh, so far this year. They're only at 11.6, something like that, 11 inches in the whole year. Now, I know a drought for the Shadron area, 11 inch, uh, that's, <laughs> I don't want to say that's average, but is it kind of average? Uh, a little it below? Is av- it is average. 11 inches is kind of what we expect to get. So, <laughs> right. but, but the difference in that is we're not used to a whole lot more. And so right. neither are trees and shrubs and everything else that grows out here. Right, so right. that makes a big difference when somebody's used to getting rain and then they don't get any at all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Sorry, Norfolk. Right. And, and, you know, and we know, Norfolk, you're not alone. You know, that's just, it's Northeast Nebraska's begging, of course, the panhandle. I I guess I'm curious what, where you guys are at, if you know, uh, for the year so far. I haven't looked in a couple of weeks, but we've been in extreme drought on and off for, for two, three, four years Mm. now. And so, I'm going to guess, last time I looked, we were four inches behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were probably right at eight or nine inches. Yikes. Yeah, that's just a trip. Like you said, eight or nine inches here would just, you know, rock our world. And, of course, then you go to places like Georgia, and eight or nine inches would pretty much devastate, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, parts of Georgia, if they only get 30 inches of rain, they're in a drought. Right. It seems to me their annual precip is like, depending where you are, I imagine in Georgia, like 50 inches a year. And I know that's the same thing. Like, oh, I remember looking up Ohio's annual precip because somebody was saying, oh, we're in a drought, you know. And I'm like, yeah, drought. Come on, man. We'll show you a drought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, drought is a relative term. That is for sure. No doubt. All right. Well, we'll... Well, anyway, it, it rolled through last night as a fast-moving thing. It had more bark than bite, but we I think people were saying around 40 hundreds from what I understood. I had, well, when I was irrigating, I accidentally hit the rain gauge, you know, so I had a false reading. It showed that I had, you know, oh. two, two inches <laughs> of water. Whoopsie. So anyway, got to move that rain gauge. But uh, It's always a good thing when water falls out of the sky. Right? We'll take it, we'll take no it. matter how much it is. We'll take it every time. All right, mm-hmm. folks. Well, so as you're as you're hearing, Lucinda is out there in Nebraska's beautiful Panhandle in Shadron, Nebraska, and retired horticulturist from Shadron State College. But retired, I imagine, with Lucinda is a relative term. Uh, she's <laughs> she's probably not <laughs> officially. You know, uh, you're still doing things for the college. Uh, you know, and you know, folks. Well, have, that's what I'm doing today. I'm I'm tree shopping because this is really prime time. Uh, to plant particularly shade trees and some of the some of the woody shrubs, and mm. we're always trying to increase the diversity. And I am always looking for things that look good in a dormant state because we're dormant out here five and six months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm not looking so much for a particular fall color, which can blow off in 20 minutes. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking for a superior silhouette, you know, a shape of the tree. Cool. I'm looking real at really interesting bark. I'm, I'm kind of eyeballing this three-flowered maple here mm. because it, it has a nice peeling bark. You actually have a three. Now, now this, this somebody has a three-flower maple, and I'm thinking, wait, 
she's got to be at Fort Collins. Or is that where you're shopping? <laughs> uh, no, but I bet they got it from Fort Collins Wholesale Nursery because I'm in Rapid City, South Dakota right now. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so cool I, because I, I was going to say, three-flower maple, that's a rare bird. Who the heck, where did you find that, right? <laughs> well, and here's the thing, it's hard to propagate, huh? It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't make, uh, if I'm remembering right, because I've never tried myself, if I'm remembering right, they don't grow readily from seed. Right. Yeah. And it, it and forms, you, you know what I mean? It forms the Samaras that, you know, the folks, the Samaras are like, picture the helicopters from Silver Maples that drop every spring, you know, maples. Right, the little winged seed. Yeah, the little winged seed. Well, these guys will have them, but that seed is never filled. It's like, it, it's like the pollinator's not here, or you need more than one to cross-pollinate. Um, I've, I've gotten seed from people before, but always a bust on germination. And then when I cut the seed open, it's a hard base of that seed too you got to use a pruners to cut it open it's very woody and they're always empty inside so i gave up honestly a long time ago saying all right and they don't grow from cuttings very well am i right about that i'm I'm assuming so honestly i've never tried but i'm assuming so most trees do and it's pretty you know hard wood on that plant but uh yeah so it's rare to find but super cool tree folks there's one actually on unl east campus at the maxwell arboretum and i was just telling before you came on there's a event coming up called the tremendous celebration on october 20th you can come check out that three flower maple and 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 you know dream <laughs> that you can actually it find is, one it is an, absolute, an absolutely wonderful tree we have one small one on campus i want to add another one and i think that's what i'm going to end up getting but it has this beautiful peeling bark and it uh i don't know how to describe it except to say in february when everything else is looking shabby that tree flowered maple looks it is eye-catching. It's a very fetching little tree. So I'm, I've am i kind of got my eyeball on that one. I'm looking at that. Yeah, that's cool to know. And, and uh, you know, and also if somebody's asked me, will it grow out there? I'd say, well, I'm not sure. And that's what the beautiful thing of having an arboretum is. Well, we will find out for you people and then tell you that, yes, you need to get a three-flower maple and plant it in your yard, right? It is so nice to have the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum scattered all over the state. I remember back in the day when the Arboretum first started up, was that 1978? I think so. Seven or eight. Something like that. Close I enough. <laughs> I was just so proud that here we, here's Nebraska having a statewide Arboretum. I don't know that anybody else is doing that. No, it's unique to the country, and, and quite frankly, other states should do it because there's a lot of other states like us where the eastern climate is much different than the western climate. I mean, shoot, go from Texas up to through North Dakota, right? Same thing. The east is, oh, yeah. you know, swimming in moisture. The west is like begging for moisture, and and, and that's just the Great Plains, right? <laughs> so, you well, know. There's, and there's lots to learn and lots of snow, and we move around. So when somebody moves out to northwest Nebraska... Uh, they may not know what grows on the high plains out here in, in the alkaline soils and the low rainfall and the high wind and the, you name it. Right. And and so to have that information for folks that come out here is great. And for me to be able to talk to folks in the central part of the state and see if there's something that we could 
squish out our way a little bit so that we can get more diversity. That's what I'm always looking for is, uh, is more diversity and things that look fabulous during the dormant season. That's, that's huge on my list when I'm shopping for plants. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned the the six month of dormant season. You know, Lincoln's not far behind that six months, right? You know, <laughs> if you consider. Yeah, well, yeah. When do you when do you lose your leaves in Lincoln? Oh, you know, it depends on when the wind blows, right? No, but uh, typically, you know, we you, you almost have that fall season where I call this the ash sumac cottonwood part of the season, right? The early the early birds. And then the wind sure. blows and those get blown off and then the oaks come on. So it's kind of by the time I would say uh, mid-November is when the oaks finally say, you know, we've had enough uh, of three 20-degree okay. nights in a row. And then they finally will drop uh, unless you're a pin oak, right? And the pin oaks say, dude, we're not dropping until spring. Well, some of them, sometimes they drop in the fall. But uh, anyway, yeah, I would say there, there's kind of two seasons of fall here in the east. And I imagine it's like that with a lot of you know, from here east, right, uh, throughout the country, um, you have kind of different fall seasons. Uh, oh, I think so. But but when I think of Lincoln, so November, December, January, February, March, mm-hmm. those are all dormant. Yep. Yep. Not leafy and green. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Five months. Yeah, exactly. So we're not far behind, people. No, you're right, and uh, and yeah, we need to focus more on that beauty of winter and uh, celebrate the season. And you know, so I'm curious. I had to uh, do a tree planting with some students uh, yesterday. Um, one of the professors there asked me to give a little demo on uh, proper tree planting. So we planted a white oak in this little prairie savanna area that they're creating not that white oak is a savanna species but it is what it is they just wanted to demonstrate the oaks that are native to nebraska in that area so i'm talking about the students why fall is good time for planting and we certainly talked about it here on the program before but uh, i'll give my take and see if you have anything to add to that so if you're planting now here in mid-october folks uh and if you have a solid another month to plant you know mid-november easily and uh, planting now, well, the soil temperature is still warmer than the ambient temperature in the air. So the roots are going to continue to grow uh, at least until 45 degrees or colder. And then that root growth kind of slows down. Well, that 45 degrees, we're not going to probably see in the soil until you know late November, early December, depending on the fall, right? And then the spring, that root growth will continue uh, through March and uh, April before that tree even leaves out. So you've got lots of root growth taking place before the tree has to even think about forming leaves. So it gives it a great head start. Is there any other advantages you can think of, Lucinda, to add to that fall planting is best? Well, fall planting absolutely is best. And I agree, it has to do with the soil temperatures being warm enough that the roots that um, that are uh, that you put in the ground are initiating new root growth and so they're making their way out into the soil. Um, um, when I look at UNL Crop Watch to get my soil temperatures, mm-hmm. um, I'm seeing that much of the state is at 60 and 65 degrees right now Wow! Uh, in the soil. So everybody down below the ground is just happy and growing. Right. <laughs> if I can get my tree in the ground now and then have it grow for probably another six to eight weeks then when spring hits it it starts putting out root growth and taking off 
lots sooner than if I waited till spring to plant it. So it's prime time for that. The other thing I like about planting in the fall, especially shade trees, is they essentially drop their leaves. Well, so that means that they're less likely to suck water and dry out and have their leaves uh, dried out by the wind that goes by. And so it it's actually a little bit kinder on the tree to keep it from drying out by planting fall. I like that attitude a lot. You're right. And as dry as it's been, nobody's in a huge mood to plant trees except for, you know, people like you that say, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I got to have my babies. But then, like you say, you're not a slave to watering it like you would be in the spring because temperatures are getting cooler, not warmer. And, and another well, thing, I don't like staking trees uh, unless I absolutely have to. Well, once those leaves drop, you don't have the near the wind resistance uh, that would warrant staking uh, a tree to keep it from blowing over. And uh, so oftentimes you can bypass staking a tree that you would have had to stake in the spring because those leaves are, you know, providing kind of a sail for that wind to catch and, and, and blow the thing over, right? They really can be blown around. And a lot of times when I buy a tree at a nursery, in order to make it more saleable, it's been pruned the the trunk has been, I'll say this in quotes, cleaned up mm-hmm. and had the little twigs and smaller branches cut off it to make it look more tree-like and less shrubby. And I, I, and I don't like that so much because those little branches along the side are really helpful for keeping deer off the trunk. Yes. You know, yes. We have a huge deer problem out west, and these mule deer like to rub their antlers Oh, usually starting about November. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh. so if I, have, if I have a little nice tree, a smooth tree trunk, they're more likely to rub their antlers on that than they are on the ones that have these little shrubby, stubby branches on the trunk. So I leave those whenever I can. Yeah, great point. I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and those branches, those little shrubly or little branches going up the trunk also help uh, feed the root system. You know, a fella down at uh, Oklahoma State had done research kind of following where the sugars go. Well, he said the only, the lower branches, like the bottom third of the tree is what goes back into the root system. Everything up in the tree, you know, stays up there. The sugars, the carbohydrates that are formed through photosynthesis stay up there for next year's growth for next year's flowers for next year's fruit i want to learn some more about that what what do i need to google in order to to read more about that yeah that that would be dr whitcomb he's uh uh formerly with oklahoma state so if you type in dr whit i think it's w-h-i-t comb whitcomb okay um and and then ask google that question about um i guess i don't know advantages of leaving lower branches on the tree on newly planted trees or something like that or or yeah that's my biggest thing is like okay how do i ask this question of google (laughs) right well knowing that that information is out there i will just google till i find it but one of the things that i learned from a um, a tree care service out of cody wyoming is that those lower branches the sugars that the leaves make Mm -hmm. and that that are stored into the in the tree also leave a little bit behind wherever they are attached, wherever those little branchlets are attached to the trunk, and thereby you get a, a sturdier trunk, which in our Boom. high wind is Boom. huge. Yep. Yep, that you're exactly right. And that's what I've read too is, is you know, keep those lower branches on as long as you can because it builds caliper. It builds a, a, a stout thing rather than a tall, skinny thing, right? With a, right. You know, if and you that's have a, what we want. 
No I'm doubt. Stout. No doubt. Stout is good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. You know, it, it drives me crazy. I remember seeing this nursery, and they were all proud that all their trees were up to five feet. And his goal was to, his goal was to bring them up to seven. And I'm kind of looking around at everybody, and nobody's like raising their hand, questioning. Uh, dude, I don't know about this this goal of yours. You know, here's here's what I've read, and I and I should have. You know, I was just too shy to raise my hand, and you know, yeah. I mean, you don't want to call out, you don't want to call this out of this guy's whole operation. You know, is trying well, to get, yeah, 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 you know what I mean. <laughs> but man, I had to bite my lip. But but it was funny as I was whispering to another nursery that was present that likes to keep the branches low on their trees, and has been told from retailers I couldn't sell any of those trees because of those low branches. So, yeah, right. we, we have a lot of educating to do, people. And I think it's just because the retailer wants to provide the customer with something that's like, hey, you don't even have to think. You know, just plant this thing and boom, you're ready to go. Well, how do well, I... I think, that, I think that's right. It makes it more sellable. But here's the thing. A statewide arboretum, that would be you. <laughs> we, just, we just have to, all of us across the state, have to keep educating because we always have... Just like nurseries have new customers, we have new people learning how to do the the uh, taking care of the trees. And so we just have to keep sharing what we learn. Right. Yeah, wouldn't it be fun like a customer to go in and say, okay, say they heard it on How's It Growing, so you don't want to say that. Shh, don't say that. But just go in. Well, I, I had read or heard somewhere that those lower branches kept on the tree are advantageous for the newly planted tree to grow. And, and oh, and by the way, I have deer problems. So how do I keep them from rubbing it? Because, you know, people will, will cage their tree. Say they get a little sapling and they'll cage it for, you know, three or right. four years. They take the cage off and limb it up. And uh, like uh, two nights later, some buck is coming along rubbing their tree that they just spent three years nursing along, right? And <laughs> ruins everything. That's exactly what happens. And I'll tell you what, what our crew at the college does is we leave the lower branches and we cage. And the caging stays in place for approximately 10 years. That's uh, the plan. Boom. I like how you roll. Now, you may be saying, I don't want to look at a cage for 10 years, people. And actually, it just kind of blends in over time. And uh, it's just a cool thing to do. Obviously, you have to make that cage wide enough, right, uh, for for the tree to to make that uh, that leap of faith. And, yeah, you're right. And then you take the cage down, and you already got a six-inch caliper tree, right? <laughs> well, maybe not in yeah, Shadron. Hopefully, but. <laughs> hopefully things have gone well. The other thing we've learned to do is we uh, we attach the cage to posts but we attach the cage up about six inches from the ground mm. so that we can get in, reach in there and uh, weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. if you have a small seedling, you're probably putting something there to keep the bunnies out initially, right? I'm assuming, um, right? Yeah, if I had a bunny problem, I would. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. My, <laughs> my, my problem is these big, horrible mule... I shouldn't say that. These big mule deer. <laughs> <laughs> these big... Okay, those big bunnies. We call mule deer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't we don't have mule deer here in the eastern part of the state, as you're aware. And ours are the whitetails, of course. But yeah, I imagine they visit nightly the Shadron campus, and you probably have them on on the the cameras, right? Have you ever be able to to look at cameras to see just what kind of crowd shows up in the middle of the night? <laughs> we we have we have a wonderful wildlife management program uh, on campus, and they set up wildlife cams for us in between the administration building and one of the classrooms where I, I had been seeing a lot of depredation, a lot of uh, nibbling. Uh-huh. <laughs> and 
Yeah, it's like watching yeah. the scene of the crime and your your uh, critter cams and going, uh, okay. They they showed up yeah. at midnight. They showed up at two a.m. They showed up at four a.m. Okay, how do we how do we beat this? Yeah, well, and then we know where they bed down on campus. And oh my, we have seriously. we have quite a. It's funny though. We don't have enough mule deer for the county, but we have far too much mule deer for the town. Interesting. Well, they know where to party, and that's at Shadron State yeah. Campus. <laughs> Lucinda, I'm going to keep you on the line. i got to take a break here for a few minutes. And when we come back, let's talk good news. Let's talk, talk uh, fall plant combinations. As I think I said when I contacted you yesterday, this is the fastest hour in radio. And with you, it's always... That's so fast. I'll be waiting for, your, for you to contact me. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Lucinda. That's Lucinda Mays, Shadron State College, out in the Panhandle, enjoying the conversation with her. Hope you are as well. If you want to get in on it, 474-5086. Love to hear from you as well. Take a quick break. We'll be back right after these messages. You are listening to How's It Growing right here on KZUM. Well, I know there ain't no doubt about it. Some folks do think I'm crazy. And I am. Hey, welcome back to How's It Growing right here on KZUM Lincoln every Wednesday, 11 till noon. My guest today is Lucinda Mays, Shadron State College and Pine Ridge of Nebraska. And Lucinda, welcome back to the program. I, you know, I know uh, you're, you're probably in a, you know, I know you're in a high wind warning today. So everybody's probably, uh, you know, a little, their senses are a little heightened for fire danger, right? I imagine it's a... Uh, a big concern right now and you're probably aware of the the fire out at Halsey and I think that's been put under control but uh, pretty devastating fire for the, the the state 4-H camp there I was just there oh gosh this summer that I was invited up there to lead some kids on a tour showing them uh, the trees in the area so it's just kind of pretty surreal when I heard the news that that uh, that beautiful building no longer remains yeah Halsey was pretty hard hit I didn't I it seems like 17,000 was the final acreage of the burn. Mm. Um, that, But that's a lot of trees and a hand-planted forest. Right. So uh, our, our hearts go out to the folks who are affected by that and for the loss of life that they experience. That's, that's, uh, that's a hard thing. And fire is a very big danger wherever you have wind. But out here where it's dry and you have wind, mm-hmm. it's... It's something we really do pay attention to. You're right about that. No doubt, and even even things like parking a vehicle, uh, like in in like say you're driving cross country or whatever, and you have a a hot catalytic converter and you park in some grass, that can start things up too, right? So just everybody kind of needs to pay attention and uh, not make an error. Yep, we need to pay attention to to what we do, and that catalytic converter is one thing that can happen. Uh, any anything can you can get a spark that comes off a flat tire and and hits the grass. It's just you know we just have to pay attention to wow. to it and do the best we can. No doubt. Well, I'm, I'm hoping uh, everything works out and we aren't tuning into a 
devastating fire rolling in blah, 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 blah. anyway yeah so all right so lucinda what the show's flying by uh one thing we wanted to talk about today well actually three or four things but uh, you know how we go right no doubt that have caught my eye this year yeah and i'm always i'm always looking for plants that are at peak whatever it is color or beautiful bark or berry or flower whatever it is mm -hmm. at any season of the year i'm always looking for things that are at their peaks at the same time so that i can make compositions in the landscape that are combinations of those plants um and so sometimes uh, I don't have those plants on campus or in my garden at home, but I'll, something will catch my eye across town in somebody else's garden. Uh -huh. And then I'll see something else that's uh, on the other end of town that's uh, in the peak uh, at the same time. And if, if you know the people whose garden that is, you can take a little cutting. <laughs> yes. And, you, and take a picture of what's blooming at the same time. So that you have a, a record that's better than my faulty memory for uh, knowing what's at peak at the same time. And this year and most years, what's peak at this time is Autumn Brilliant Service Berry, uh -huh. uh, Crandall Clove Current, oh, yeah. and American Hazelnut. Cool. Oh, I'm just crazy about all of those have, uh, they have different uh, textures and shapes to the leaves, of course, different sizes, uh, but they all have shades of red and coral and lime green and yellow as their leaves start to turn for the fall. And to me, they are absolutely gorgeous. And, and I look to get my color from woody plants whenever I can, uh, simply because we're, we have so much territory on the campus that we don't spend too much time on herbaceous planting, non-woody planting, flower beds in other words, and more time on getting our color from shrubs and trees. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, your weather is fleeting, right? I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, it says this aster blooms in October. Well, we might have, you know, a week before it drops to the teens and the aster says, okay, I got ice in my veins but not that much ice in my veins, guys. So yeah, you have to you have to count on that. And man, I, I love to, the American hazelnut is such an overlooked shrub in the first place, but I put it right in line with the sumac. You know, sumac is, you know, one of the first things to color up in the fall. Everybody looks forward to it. Wouldn't it be great if we could drive around town or in our road ditches yep. and, and see American yep. hazelnut? People, this thing, it'll get a kaleidoscope of colors, right? Like you were oh. saying, and you'll have greens. I Plant one one shrub for fall color. It would be American hazelnut. I'm with you, and it's very early too. And uh, oh, I, I kind of eyeball some where the Game and Parks headquarters are here in town, just off 33rd Street. They have a little grouping, and every year, just like clockwork, there they are. They're out in the full blazing sun. But well, American hazelnut tolerates a lot of shade too, and kind of a different color spectrum in the shade from what I found versus the full sun. You know, full sun you'll get yellows, oranges, and reds, uh, and of course some of the leaves still green. So you get this pow in the fall, and uh, yep. and then it has a nice winter uh, branch structure with the catkins and stuff. It's nice to look at in the winter, and of course in the spring when those catkins elongate and the leaves are coming out, just a cool shrub. 
And then those little pockets of hazelnuts that when the fruit um, uh, shows up on the plants, if, if these are planted in masses, they're wind pollinated. And so if they're planted in masses, you'll get good pollination in a group like that. And then you have these little frilly, they almost look like little frilly pocketbooks. Yes. And they have little hazelnuts right down <laughs> deep inside them. So it's really a shrub that does a lot of good throughout the year. And it's mildly thicket forming. It's not like a choke cherry or a plum thicket. Right. But it will spread. Slowly uh, but surely, right, right. Yeah, it is slow. I'm, mm -hmm. In fact, I'm sitting here looking at one right outside the window now. And um, it is... It's been in this place, I know, for at least 15 years, mm. and it's probably suckered out about two feet on either side of the original planting, so mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. far. Yeah, so that, yeah. Cr that crown of the plant keeps widening a little bit. It doesn't run 10 feet and then come up. You know, it's, it's just a, the, the crown of the plant or the main body of that plant gets a little yep. wider every year. Uh, yeah, that's cool. And, you know, and thankfully, we, we have Great Plains Nursery here in eastern Nebraska and, of course, the statewide arboretum. We always sell seedlings, too. But... Otherwise, man, I don't know where people can find it. So, thankfully, we can find it because we couldn't say that 10 to 15 years ago, people, uh, or 20 years ago. You, oh, great shrub, but good luck finding it, except for some mail order source or whatever. But, yeah. And but it helps to get it planted out and for people to see it, get to see it, and to have it labeled and for folks to understand uh, what they're looking at. And then... Uh, then, as you say, the word gets out, and if you can see it growing well and maturing well, then as a homeowner, I'm a little more likely to spend my landscape dollar on something I know is going to make it. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm, and it's I'm tough. less inventive in my own backyard. Yes. And it's, it's super tough. You know, it can... Man, it's just a very versatile plant. We see it here in the woods native to southeastern Nebraska, and I've seen it in areas that are just, you know, where the dwarf chinkapin oaks grows, for example, on this prairie knoll, which, you know, rocky. It's, it's probably half limestone rock and half soil, so really nasty soil. And there's a American hazelnut going, yeah, whatever, dude, I got this. You know, oh, but, I'm glad to know that. I, I, I hadn't seen those two together out here, but... Where we have established woodlands, um, I'll see plant combinations together like that. But I hadn't seen uh, American hazelnut and dwarf chinkapins. But both of those will grow out here beautifully. Right. So there's there's another plant combo for me to try. Boom. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I just got a note from Aaron Clare, who I've had on the program a number of times. He's the uh, properties manager and also does hazelnut research for the Nebraska Forest Service. And he reminded me that, oh, yes, you can order hazelnut seedlings from your local NRD, too. So if any acreage owners are listening out there and you're wanting numbers, um, you can get your, I think it's bundles of 25 from uh, our state nursery through via the NR, your local NRD. So yes, we can get them there. And then uh, the hybrid hazelnuts that Aaron's working with, uh, Great Plains Nursery carries a couple of hybrids, and I know you've planted some out there in Shadron. Yep. I just have found yeah. they don't get the same fall color as uh, as our standard, uh, you know, native American hazel. Well, and I see difference in color based not just on sun or shade, but the quality of the soil. Our soils out here are very alkaline. Mm -hmm. uh, and so wherever we have beautifully amended soils, which is a few places, <laughs> 
where we've added lots of organic material and continue to do that and, and lay down organic mulch that breaks down over time and, uh, and gives us a looser, more friable soil. The hazelnuts there get a little bit bigger and their leaves stay on a little bit longer because that organic material holds more moisture in the soil and the color is more vibrant. Too cool. That's what I've been seeing. So. Yeah, good point. And uh, yeah, yeah, you can grow it in the in western Nebraska, but you know it's going to grow better for you and be happier if you uh, if you feed the pig, which is to me the soil. Feed the pig. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, good stuff. And and then you also mentioned serviceberry. Everybody loves them, and uh, they tend to be slow growing, so you got to be patient. And there again, just like Lucinda said, feed them with organic matter. Uh, good friable soil you're going to have a happy service berry if you plant it in heavy clay new construction soil and eh, not so much not so much is exactly right and here's the thing about service berries one they have this great fall color but the best thing about a service berry is after a long hard winter they're the first woody plant to bloom in the spring out in our neck of the woods mm-hmm. and it is such a relief it's over. <laughs> right. Everybody gets so hungry for spring. Um, and, you know, if winter hangs on and on and on, it's wonderful to see the service berries uh, start to bloom. There's, there's a thing that tells us uh, that spring is actually coming. And so I try to uh, always combine service berry plantings with other signs of spring, which include the fall planted bulbs. So... Cool, That's cool. another thing to think about putting in the ground this time of year, too. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the bulbs. Uh, we can, you know, we got about uh, eight minutes left here. We can chat about bulbs here. And, uh, you know, and because we more or less mentioned the good garden soil, good prep. Fall is also a great time to make your garden beds. Would you agree, Lucinda? I, I, that's when I like doing it. If, if time, Absolutely. Time if you can do the garden prep work, the soil building the soil and and making soil that is welcoming to plant roots and has all the nutrients that plants need to grow well you can do that and then let it sit over the winter that is prime no doubt that's the best that's the best it is and you know you know you can work on it on a chilly day you know you're not going to sweat because you have layers on and then as you're as you're working your garden pretty soon you're shedding layers because you know you're getting warm now and then, right. you know, and then, okay, I'm done with that. Now you can just have fun all winter long and the spring rolls around and you're busy, busy, busy. Who isn't in the spring? Of course you are in the fall too, I realize people, but still, um, you don't have the, the demands uh, in the garden. Not so much. It's a lot easier to find time to do soil work in November. Right. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. And, and you might be saying, burr, November, I don't want to do that. Well, dress appropriately, right? Shoot, if you have to wear well, long there's gorgeous days. There's gorgeous days in November. Not every day is going to be a perfect garden work day, but right. there's going to be some pretty days or some pretty afternoons or right. uh, just a couple of hours. And it really helps to have that soil work done uh, because there's so much microbial life that happens in the soil. And if you're out there digging and planting and putting things in it, it takes a while for the for that all to settle down and for for the garden to be re- the garden soils to be ready to grow things. So if you do it in the fall, then in the spring, no worries. That's wonderful. Yeah, great. I, I, good tip. And uh, you know, we could talk probably a whole hour program about 
you know, good garden prep. But uh, we'll save that for another day. But, uh, okay. you know, okay. and then... Okay. And then bulbs, uh, you know, Lucinda, the, the planting window obviously is different for Shadron area than Lincoln. But, um, you know, uh, Bertine, uh, my former co-host, uh, she would always say to her the best time to plant in Lincoln area was Thanksgiving time. And uh, that's that's fine. But I feel like you've got probably a month window for between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Would you say for Lincoln area that's kind of a good thing to kind of measure it by when you should be putting bulbs in? Or should I say mid-October to... To late November. I think you can say, I always say, I always try and tie deadlines like that to a holiday so I can remember. So Halloween's a great time to be planting bulbs, but pretty much I'm looking for soil temperatures at four to four inches deep. Um, so the, again, UNL crop watch, you look at the soil temperatures and see what they are. Mm-hmm. 50 degrees soil temperature means it's probably not going to warm up enough to to start those bulbs sprouting early. So um, I've planted, oh, in out in the western part of the state in late September sometimes. Wow. It kind of depends on the, on the year. But mm-hmm. we're talking here about the bulbs that bloom in the spring but need to be planted in the fall. And so uh, any time in the fall when you can work the soil, as long as the soil isn't too warm, then that's a good time to plant your bulbs. And, of course, we'd put garlic right in that conversation, folks. Garlic season, man, it's, it's, it's close. But like you said, listen, you just went and looked at the soil temp. We're still sitting at 65 degrees in much of the state. And uh, yep. I, I would probably say the same thing with garlic is wait until you're around 50. Sure, the garlic will sprout, sprout down below, form some roots on that, on that uh, clove, if you will. But, and, and same thing with bulbs, right? Do you want to get some root growth on, like, say I'm planting daffodils or say I'm planting crocus, whatever the case may be? Do I want any root growth to take place in the fall? Absolutely. It's good if you can get uh, root bud initiation. So even if you don't get a whole lot of root system going, if you've got those buds initiated and out into the soil, even just a half an inch or an inch, um, that will uh, kick them off in the spring for better, stronger growth. And that's what you want to get a good bulb that comes back year after year. So, so daffodils and crocus, we call them all bulbs. Some of them aren't bulbs at all. Some of them are corms. And, oh, uh-huh. You know, there's all kinds of things. But in any case, if it's, if it's an underground root system that stores a lot of, of uh, food that turns into a flower in the spring, it pretty much we just call it a bulb and let it go at that. Right. Yeah, but good point, wanting to get some root growth, but not enough to send a shoot up, meaning the soil temp's not not critically cold, but it's also not very warm. Um, so, right. yeah, I like that 50-degree range. And, and again, uh, the the uh, soil temperature map, UNL soil temp map, um, great, great resource to be able to use. And just keep in mind, there's going to be some microclimates, right, going on. So the sunny south side of a building versus a shaded north side of the building is probably going to have different soil soil temperatures um right. absolutely absolutely and and everything's going to be a little bit different so and, and i don't think we need to to tie ourselves in a knot over whether it's 50 degrees or right. 45 degrees below the ground but just knowing that the soil temperatures are cooling off uh, and that's the time to put the bulbs in the ground is going to give us good results too cool 
And uh, I, I have to say, now, we, we mentioned daffodils. Everybody loves a good daffodil. But you have one that I wanted you to tell our listeners about before the end of the show today to say, put this on your wish list. And it seems to me oh, the name oh. is called Jetfire, right? Is it Jetfire? Yep. Jetfire is a fabulous dwarf, I guess you'd call, or miniature daffodil. It's not real mini. It sure shows up in the landscape. Um, it's flower stems are about six to eight inches tall, which makes it a fabulous candidate because when you get snow on top of this thing when it's in full bloom, as we invariably do, um, it'll knock the flowers to the ground, but those tough little stems will bounce right back up when the snow melts. That's wild. And so we don't have these flowers with their faces plastered with mud and <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and you're right, right. And, and some of those are kind of floppy in the first place, you know, even if they don't yeah. have snow on top of them, they kind of, you know, the flowers are so big, I'm thinking like one called King Edward, I think is the name of one, it's just gorgeous big flower, but they often tend to kind of lax and, and fall over even with a little rain, a little wind, whatever. I'm, I'm really uh, tickled with, if you, if you go Google shopping for uh, miniature daffodils, you'll find all kinds of of things like one called February Gold, which is an early blooming short one. It's it's a perfect tiny little daffodil. Um, then there's another one. Um, it's a species daffodil called uh, commonly called hoop skirt. Have you heard of that one? Hoop skirt. Hoop skirt. No, I have not. Like a lady's hoop skirt. Cool. The um, uh, it's a it's a, a, an odd looking little daffodil. It's uh, Narcissus bulbocodium, and it is absolutely a knockout. But you have to get down to the ground to get your eyes knocked out because yeah. it's so short. But all of these short ones have that advantage of one, not being windblown, and two, if they get snowed on, it doesn't, it doesn't shatter the plant. They bounce right back. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that when you're bulb shopping. Just remember there's there's little miniature versions, tougher little versions of all the different bulbs. You know, I'm thinking of species tulips. Yep. I'm thinking of the, the cool, you know, little daffodils. And the daff, I like what about like about those small daffodils is the, the, the foliage is almost grass-like when it's emerging in the spring. Really cool. Oh, yes. And they um they also bloom in combination with some of the other things like the snowflake the leucogen oh uh-huh uh some of the hyacinths um there's even a little fertile area that that blooms early in the spring um so there's a lot if you go looking there's these amazing bulbs and what's nice about bulbs is you plant them in the fall and then you forget about them and they're there all winter and they come up in the spring just when you're so tired of winter. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can't be any more tired of winter. And then here come the bulbs. And so I like to cluster those around places, uh, around front doors and places like that where people see them as they come and go. Including you, right? <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. No doubt. Of course. Well, yeah. Lucinda, I'm going to have to cut us off because I'm out of time. And, uh, this always happens when we get to talking about gardening. It. it sure was fun, Bob. It was. It was. I really appreciate your time, Lucinda, and uh, always gr a great conversation. And uh, th but the show's not three hours long. She's only she's only fifty minutes long, so it is what it is. <laughs> but thank you again, yeah. and I'll I'll be contacting you here uh, before before Christmas to uh, to hit you up to be back on the program next year. 
Oh, I would love to do that. That sounds great, Bob. Happy gardening. All right. Happy gardening to you and, and happy Halloween and Thanksgiving <laughs> and Christmas. <laughs> Take care, Lucinda. Good things. Thanks, Bob. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That's Lucinda Mays, Shadron State College. Thank you for tuning in to How's It Growing Today. Stick around for democracy now. It is headed your way next. Until then, you have a great week. Adios.